The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursiffingpoint.com and by Michter's American Whiskies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fred Minnick Show. Man, I really appreciate you. Keep on coming back. This is the podcast of my dreams where I get to interview musicians and celebrities, drink whiskey with them, and just have a great time. So I really appreciate you being a subscriber and checking us out uh, on a weekly basis. This week's episode, listen, folks, it's long. I'm not going to apologize for it because I had a great time recording this. Now, this was a live previous live stream that I did with uh, Daniel uh, Ledinsky of the Neverly Boys. And if you have not checked out the Neverly Boys yet, I'm just telling you that that music is so dark and deep and just great. I love it. Like, I can't stop. Um singing to myself let love in it's one of their songs now daniel started this band earlier this year with dave c-tech of course dave c-tech's famous for being with tv on the radio and just an incredible two incredible musicians and daniel's worked with everyone uh you know from shakira to lady gaga so he is a he is kind of like um an inner circle icon in the music industry and as it turns out he likes to drink. I noticed I did not say sip. I said drink. So this episode is quite comical. I think you'll enjoy it. And you'll also hear a little something from a man from a country that didn't get to enjoy uh, freedom of speech like we do in the United States. And he's talking, uh, he, he, gives a, he gives a lesson to a lot of Americans that we need to cut ourselves some slack. We're going through some tough times right now. But we're allowed to talk about it and he kind of points out that that's what makes america great is that we have the freedom to speak our mind as much as we'd like to so enjoy this episode with daniel adensky one of my new best friends i text with him regularly um enjoy the episode but first a word from our sponsors Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. 
today is a very, very special day for me because I am, I, I love music. You all know I love music. That's what my podcast is about. I bring musicians on and we talk about whiskey. We talk about their careers. And we have someone with us today who's been an insider in the music industry for a very, very long time. He hates vodka. His name's Daniel Adinsky. He absolutely hates vodka, and he's from Sweden, so that's one of the birthplaces of vodka. Um, and he's going to talk some shit about it with us today, and he also loves whiskey. But more importantly, this dude is talented. He's worked with like artists from Shakira to Rihanna, and I'm so excited about the band he has now called the Neverly Boys. I've been talking about them since I found them. You can go back into like my Facebook feeds and my Instagram and my YouTube community. I love the Neverly Boys. There's a song that I cannot get out of my head. It's called Let Love In. And it's like, I'm always thinking about it. I'm always singing it. Um, so I hope you all have had a chance to, to, to listen to their music before we started this. But we also have a really great tasting lineup here. Got a, bit, a little bit of Weller Single Barrel. Uh, no doubt the best, the best Irish whiskey in town. Red Breast, the 12-year-old version. We got a little craft whiskey in the house from New York. McKenzie, and then I uh, sent him some uh, Johnny Walker, 15-year-old green label. Cannot wait, cannot wait to taste this with my new best friend, Daniel. I'm actually just going to go ahead and bring him on the show. Daniel, how you doing, sir? You doing okay? Welcome to the show. How about it for Daniel, everybody? Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm doing great. It's very nice to talk to you. And a really good reason to, to be day drinking. I'm three hours before you, so for me it feels a little a little less um, okay than for you. So you're 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 doing some day drinking, you say? You've got the yeah. uh, it's uh, it's the day's just the day's just beginning for you. You you got to get it going. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's your it's your fault or because of you. <laughs> uh, that is that is true. Now, Melissa's commenting saying she's a fan of whiskey, music, and sushi. Are you a fan of sushi? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of sushi. So I just spent like five months on a ranch in El Paso, Texas. And, you know, that's kind of landlocked. It's far away from the ocean. So I didn't need any sushi this year. <clears throat> and I just got back to L.A. like uh, a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing I did was order from my favorite um, takeaway spot, Sugarfish. Um, shout out to Sugarfish. I love that place. Nice. Uh, it looks like Greg uh, Gorman saying, like, day drinking, taking one for the team. Rebecca yeah. Wells is saying uh, day drinking is the best. So how often are you doing this day drinking stuff? Or is this just a special occasion? Yeah, it, I think it's a special occasion. I, To be honest, I drink a lot more probably than I should. But then again, I'm Swedish, so I kinda, it's kind of like semi-illegal to not drink all the time. But usually I try to, I try to wait for it to get darker outside just to not be, I'm also kind of like Swedish self-loathing, so I'm, I'm trying to uh, not do it that often. And the thing is, it is the best. Day drinking is the best. But then 
but then you get kind of hung over at night, which is a weird feeling. Cause yeah. you know, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, unless you keep going, you can keep going though. If you, 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 I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, day drinking is, 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 is really frowned upon because <laughs> of, um, you know, because of what it what it can lead to in the night. I mean, but if you if you cut the day drinking off at say five or six o'clock and go to bed, you know, at eight or nine, you yeah. know, that's just part of it. You know, as long as it's you know day drinking's not getting in the way of all your other responsibilities, then yeah. uh, it's all good, right? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I just think it's a little. You feel a little exposed in the light, in the sunshine, being drunk. It was easier when you were like 20 than, than now. I feel a little, I don't want to stumble around. No, nobody but, wants to stumble around. Now, Daniel, but, you've, you've had an amazing career, like an amazing career. What, what have been some of your highlights? Like I told people at the top that you've worked with Rihanna, you've worked with uh, Shakira, uh, but you know, this band you've got now has got to be a highlight, but just tell us, tell us about your career. What all have you done in, What's, uh, what are some of the highlights for you? Yeah, that's a big question. Because um, usually I don't think too much about the past, you know. I, I try to think about what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. and, um, but, but obviously, you know, I, I, I do think about it a lot. I think it's, it's such a blessing to be able to... I, I, so, all right, I, I think about my, my, my Swedish grandparents... And they used to work in the rivers in the north of Sweden, like transporting timber. And for them, it wasn't really an option to be like, yeah, I'm going to write songs for a living or, you know, write poetry or something. That was something that, you know, you shut up and you, you go to the coal mine. And I think about that a lot. And like when it comes to that, I'm, I feel so blessed that we're living in a time where we actually can, you know, explore our, our creative sides and our, our interests. Um, and I think it's, I have a lot of personal highlights, my, but, but, or professional highlights, but they're usually that moment when I, I make something with another artist or artist friend and it feels like you enter this this thing where you feel like it's something out of this world. And I think you can be happy about, you know, commercial success or, or having a hit or and obviously that, you know, it's it, it's a lot of dog food. Um, I have a lot of dogs, so I, I, I think about dog dog food. But and that's all like that but I think that's kinda like Commercial success is a little bit like your your ego um, being fed, and it's it's good. It's something to strive for, and and you can build a, a decent life for yourself and and stuff. But I think that those those moments that I will remember when I'm when I'm lying on my deathbed, they're moments in the studios, like when I connected with somebody and something special happened mm -hmm. and i love mm -hmm. collaborating with people because that's kind of like it's fun making music on your own but but you won't reach that stage you know of, of magic but that can happen to like when you when you're channeling something together with someone else or, or other people 
And I think I, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm very, I'm, I'm very grateful for for the the songs I've I've written or been a part of that that has like that people have really enjoyed. But some of my best moments are songs that no one ever heard, you know. Yeah. That I did some friends somewhere, maybe, and you know, maybe, maybe it won't be that special for for, maybe it won't be this mass communication thing or won't be that special for other people. But I think I think it's that like you, when you do anything creative, I think you tap into the greater knowledge. Like there is there is something. Everything always existed, you know, and you just like. Everyone says like, "Oh, the song just fell into my lap. It was this night, like, and or <clears throat> if you're an author, you know, like the book just came out like it, on the road. It just like it, and it should be like an emotional puke kind of making a song or making a making anything, because it's this, it's not really you, and that's why I think like people get really spiritual about it and thank the Lord when they receive their Grammys and stuff, because I think it is like a." It's when it when it's magic. It's not you. It's something else. But you get to be the radio for that. Mm. Am I making any sense? Yeah, absolutely. You are. I mean, in and I know you were in. You were up for I think four uh, Swedish Grammys uh, in the past year. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I I've, mean, you I've, were. I've had a lot of those. I think, but you know, Sweden is a small place, so. Uh, so Melissa is wanting to know what it was like to uh, work with Blondie. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that that question in itself is kind of surreal for me, you know, because I, obviously I grew up listening to Blondie, and they were uh, they they still are like their music are, is still like a really important part uh, of of what I you know what I get inspired by. And obviously Debbie Harry being such an icon, and um, but it was a weird thing. So me and me and Dave Siddick, um, who who are the the Neville boys, <clears throat> we kind of we started writing a song, and and he's he's friends with Blondie, so he's like, I'm gonna send it to the, to to those guys because they're working on a record, and we did a song called Fun, and it was about cocaine basically. It was about like you know the too much fun isn't fun. And it, All it right, felt so like... hold on now, hold on now. You know, how many songs have you done that revolve around cocaine? To not that many, because I don't like cocaine, to be honest. I, uh, I actually, I'm allergic to cocaine. I, <clears throat> I get a, like a, a really bad sinus infection, and I call it like my superpower. I think it's really good because it means I never do cocaine. I mean, but that, I had. A... That's a good. That's a good. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good allergy. I really hate that drug. It's it's you can't hate a drug. You can hate like whatever it does to people, but I actually kind of do because that drug has been like I've seen a lot of friends that that has become coke addicts and it's not a good look. But I I had a phase where I was living in New York and New York is like really cocaine driven. At least it was when when I was living there, and <clears throat> I just felt like this when we started writing that song. It felt like it was something like those guys like going through their career, like what they've been through, it felt like they could probably relate to that thing. 
unfortunately, we never got to like be in the studio together and make the song. We kind of we kind of wrote something and we sent to them and they were recording and Debbie Harry was in some castle in Switzerland because <laughs> of nothing because she probably you know she lives on another planet but but more than that it was just such an incredible honor to be I mean every time you write something that someone else wants to wants to record that that's the biggest honor you know because it's that's especially if they're like amazing songwriters themselves and they don't really need that help but they might like want like some some outer you know perspective or new new inspiration from other sides but it's always like it i always get like flabbergasted every time someone wants to record anything because it's a huge deal because like they could literally do whatever they want and they choose to to make a song that, that you wrote and um it's 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 the most beautiful thing because because when you're an artist and you put something out, then then people are gonna judge you on that. They're gonna be like, that that second verse sucks. Like, and it's like, and if someone else did it, then you can, you know, like, I I I'm a like a, a reluctant artist. Like, really, I I don't I I don't feel very like comfortable in the the situation being an artist because I. Mm. I've worked with so many artists during the year, so like I know what it takes, and I've I've seen it. But but I kind of forced myself to do it because I felt like what I was doing with Dave, like we we really we can't give these songs to anybody else. It's like a personal thing. So yeah, you're so talking I, about the Neverly Boys, which uh, Doug Pendleton, you know, he was one of the he you know he's in the YouTube community. Um, and you know, he's one, he's, he was an early adapter of like when I started talking about you guys and he asked the question, are the Neverly Boys songs angry and dark, like the first couple of the dark side of everything? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, when I think about, about making music with Dave Siddick, it's, it's quite the opposite. You know, he's the light of my life. Like I, I, he's the person on this little dirt ball that I love the most. And we have like an incredible, like fun time. Every time we make music, we both kind of gravitate towards the, the darker side of, of society and the humor in, you know, the darkness. And when we did the album, <clears throat> it was kind of crazy because, so we we uh, we went to Sonic Ranch in um, in El Paso, which is this like super beautiful recording complex that that's situated on this 5,000 acre pecan farm on the Mexican border. And we both go there a lot. Like Dave Dave done records with Yeah Yeah Yeahs there, and and um, and we work with Group Love and and a bunch of people. And um, but when we Last summer, we started the recording the 1st of July last summer, and um, we could both like feel, we both had this like eerie feeling of, of something daunt, like something bad, like some darkness on the horizon. I think something came over us, and uh, one of my best friends and, and a, a, a good friend of Dave's too, he died. Um, when I was flying to El Paso. So the, the first two week, I don't even hardly remember of the recording. 
because I was in this, I was completely grief struck and, um, and uh, in, in such a loose, like emotional state that, that um, a lot of the record from, from my perspective ended up uh, being about him. And the first couple of songs that we wrote during the recording, which was uh, Without You and Let Love In and a couple of those songs, um, you, it was, his spirit was like all over those songs. And it was a really brutal blow for, for me personally when that happened because he was a, a Swedish songwriter that I was really close to and we were both living in Los Angeles and we shared kind of the similar journey in a lot of ways and he couldn't, he couldn't take it. <clears throat> so I think that, that thing, there's definitely a darkness in this album, like, and, but there's also, what we tried to do at least was we tried to make something that could hopeful, because I don't want to make dark music. I, I want to, uh, you know, I want to explore the darkness, but I want to find the light in it. And uh, on on paper, if you look at the songs line by line, they might sound kind of dark, <clears throat> but I think that's kind of dismissing it um, a little easy. Because I think that like more than that, I think that, or I know that like both both Siddick and I are are happy, like hopeful. Um, little kids at heart. And I think that like, we wanted to make something beautiful that, that, that was okay with there being a darkness. And because there is a dark side to everything. There's also a bright side to everything. And um, obviously the, that title is a bit of a joke. I mean, it's a, you know, both our, our band name, we want it to be the, the Everly, the Neverly Everly brothers and the dark side of the moon is, is, you know, you know, so it was like, we just made a new album. We just made a, our second album. We just mm -hmm. finished it. And uh, Dave said that we should call it, uh, I wish you were over there. <laughs> but I don't know. I think, yeah, it, it is dark songs. And it's like, that's always like my managers and, and uh, publishing people are usually like, yeah, it's a, like, I got a text yesterday from my manager. He's like, I wrote I wrote a new a new song and he's like yeah it's it's a great song it's a, it's a tad dark it's a little dark <laughs> and that's his way of saying like yeah just you know we're not gonna send this to people <laughs> it's like yeah. it's dark because because now like all of a sudden like now it is actually kind of dark out there like it it is very it's been a scary and confusing year for everybody in different ways and. Um, but I think, like, I think it's like, you know, that kind of music, too. It's like, you know, the uh, not to not to go into a different, you know, type of art. But, you know, John Steinbeck wasn't friggin writing about. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't writing about uh, uh, roses and, and, and chocolates and, and 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 lovely marriages when he wrote Grapes of Wrath. I mean, he wrote yeah. that in a time when, you know, that was what was happening. And you know what? It, it is a really fucking dark time right now. And yeah. um, I, I, I don't really, I don't really care, like, it's, if it's dark. I mean, the fact is, 
It's great music. Great music. And, Thank you, sir. And I'll tell it's you something. Funny you, funny you mentioned Steinbeck. Is that was the, the one of the first books I ever read was Tortilla Flats, I think it's called. Short. Motor. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, I um, my I I like dark music. I like dark music because what it does is is it actually calms me and it makes me think. And when I'm about to go on stage or when I'm about to go on camera uh, or I have a big event, uh, for ages, I would listen to System of a Down. Like, I mean, and that's, you don't really get crazier, darker than, you know, than System, especially like Toxicity. Yeah. I switched that up. You know, now when I prepare for my tastings, my, my music that gets me in my groove is you. Is the Neverly Boys. Oh. And I have like, and I listen to uh, Let Love In on kind of like a loop. And that's the truth, man. That's, that's the awesome. truth. You went from Armenian genocide to uh, Swedish Polish uh, depression. Yeah, I've got issues. He was Polish originally, or like he was, his ancestors were bare knuckle fighting Polish people. So um, a lot of questions coming in for you. Um, Melissa asks, do you have a particular whiskey you drink when you're writing? Ooh, no, I don't. I'm unfortunately, I'm not. I wish I was more of a connoisseur, like, but I'm more into getting a little tipsy or educated. So I, 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 I do appreciate like really good. Um, you know, I, I appreciate good whiskey or wine, or, or I, I know the difference. Like it, if it's really, if it's made out of love, and they put all that effort into it, and have all that history behind it, it, it gives you, you can, you consume that. You know, I just don't, I don't believe that it's like, oh, you can just like drink, you know, whatever alcohol, and it will get you. You get, you get a very special buzz from a good whiskey or a good red wine. Um, and so I you, have, you like you like the buzz or yeah. the feeling versus the taste. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't care about the taste that much, to be honest. I All care right. about the 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 warmth that that wave of of, of warmth it gives you, and I think it's kind of like out of the alcohol drinks, like red wine and whiskey is kind of what does that to me. And um, I, I, uh, I've had some amazing, I don't know what it was, but my favorite whiskey I drank was in, in um, Tokyo. I was hanging out with some um, like record executive, old school Japanese shogun character. And he gave me some super expensive Japanese whis whiskey that I, I got too drunk to remember what it was. But I remember I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is like a, but otherwise I just kind of go to the, like, you know, the, the, the go-to brands. I, All right. Not... Well, well, Daniel, you've, you've basically, you've given me a challenge here. Yeah. You're my favorite band right now. I'm my favorite new band. So you're, you know, I'm hearing you like, you know, you're drinking for the, for the effect. I'm going to try in this, in this little segment here, I'm going to try and get you to, to say, you know what, moving forward, 
I'm going to drink whiskey because of the taste and not necessarily the, uh, you know, to get fucked up. So let's, let's start with, uh, boy, the first one is crucial. The first one sets the mood for everything else here. Um, I'm going to say, let's start with red breast. Okay. Gotcha. So the question for you, because me being ignorant and not, um, how do you, how do you drink it? Do you drink it with like one ice and a little bit of water or do you, do you go straight or what should I do? Well, keep in mind, I drink, um, (laughs) I I basically drink, I, I, our, my good friend here of the show, Danny Lynn says, Daniel's thrown me off my game. Says Danny, Daniel has thrown Fred off his game. So true. (laughs) Most, most people are like, uh, Oh, I can't wait to taste. I can't wait to see how it goes down. You're like, I sort of get fucked up. <laughs> no, it's not like getting fucked up. It's more, and I, I do enjoy the taste. It's more like I love, I love the, like spiritually, it feels like it gives you, it gives you a, there's something that like changes your whole, your whole uh, being. And I think it's not about like getting fucked up because you can get fucked up. I can drink vodka and get fucked up, but. But vodka tastes like petrol, and I, I don't like it. But I think it's like, so I do, and I, maybe I was wrong. I do enjoy the taste, but I think I more care about the, the wave of, of beautifulness that comes. All right, all right. So we're all doing, right. We're let's, doing do, let's do red breast. So this okay. is a single pot steel Irish whiskey. It's 12 years old. This is this is some of the greatest um, you know everyday whiskey in the world. I absolutely love this, and you're drinking out of a coffee cup, a Wonder Woman coffee cup. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, should I do ice or water or both? Well, I was gonna say neat. You know. Yeah. Neat. Let's so first, smell it first. I normally tell people to look at it, but. It's hard and to look through your uh, your coffee your coffee cup. But I gotta be a bum a little bit. <laughs> and now, now Joe Joe Roachruck's asking, did you rinse the coffee cup first? Uh, ish. <laughs> I had I had some whiskey in it before. You had some whiskey. I drank that whiskey. I can I can rinse the cup. Like I want to be professional about this, so I can. I can. We can set up a system where I rinse the cup. Next time, let's rinse the cup. Next time, yeah. we'll rinse the cup. For now, yeah. for now, we just taste. Now, you're not kicking it back. It's not like a shot. You're not. You're not backstaging this. No. <laughs> just a little bit on the palate. Yes. And then you want to fill it on the tip. In the back, and see how it kind of flows. Wow, that's kind of spectacular. Melissa on the show is saying that that's your, that's her new Glenn Karen is the Wonder Woman. Scott Sewell saying like you are awesome, and then Joe Roachruck is uh, he's on me for not sending you some Glenn Karens. Listen, guys, I'm working on the whole getting getting artist glass glassware, but 
but COVID and all this stuff, it makes it really hard to get to get people like Daniel stuff. So uh, I mean, I have that. <laughs> I just really like my Wonder Woman cup. Yep, there's is, nothing wrong with that. And I, you know, I'm like, we're doing a podcast. I need to be comfortable. Mm. I love this. This is really special. So what what is this? This is this is Redbreast twelve year old. I, I don't think I've seen this bottle. Well, like I, I've never had this before, but it's it's really amazing. So switching the cameras here on you, so you can see that there. That's what it is right there, little Redbreast twelve year old. You sent me a look. Hey, that's how I that's how I roll, man. I, I, I sent you I sent you a fifty a fifty milliliter shot. Yeah, it's kind of cool, like these these little medicine bottles. Yeah. Because I was in Texas when I got these. And where are you now? I I'm in I'm on Venice Beach. In Los Angeles. Mm. So I I just came here. I was I spent five months in Texas. So basically the whole um, the whole lockdown and everything. I, I went to. I went to Sonic Ranch in El Paso in January to make a record, and then I kind of just stayed there. Um, and it's a 5,000-acre pecan ranch. So it was a good place to face the zombie apocalypse. But but it was it felt like it felt like really special when you when I got the the box from you with with your uh, and you had a face mask and you had stickers. Yeah. <clears throat> Because life was so weird at that moment that it felt it felt like, and me being like secluded on this on this ranch in the middle of nowhere on the Mexican border, I felt like it was you know civilization calling a little bit that like someone who's really passionate about about whiskey or, or something like had the you know made the effort to to send me that like it it was I it felt really special for me, to be honest. Well, and, I, I'll tell you, and, you're, and, and I keep going to this, but your music is special to me. Like, I, I love, I love y'all's music. And like, again, if you all have not, if you all not listened to the Neverly Boys yet, if you haven't uh, gone and downloaded them, please go do so right now. It's the Neverly Boys. Where, where did the term Neverly come from anyway? As we go to glass, as we go to drink to, we're gonna stay in Europe. Let's go ahead and go to the Johnny Walker, the 15-year-old, the Green Label. But as we're doing that, give us the story as like to the to the name because I actually I don't know this story. I need to rinse my cup, right? So yeah. So I mean, the the name in itself is you know the 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 Everly Brothers like is a big part of of uh, I mean both Dave Siddick and I love love them, and we felt like. We felt like um, it was the Neverly. We were the Neverly brothers. Uh, but it, it was so. Me and Dave been been um, been writing a lot for for other people, and we've been we so we met we met when he was um, he was working on the last TV on the radio album, and he was looking for for people to to write with and and stuff and and. Um, we got introduced and and we we wrote a couple of songs for TV on the radio, uh, "Happy Idiot" and "Trouble" from their album Seeds, 
And since then, like me and Dave just became, I mean, best friends is more, more than best friends. For, for me, because I had moved to America around like a couple of years prior to meeting Dave and my parents had died and I have very little family, unfortunately, left in Sweden. I have a sister and a couple of nieces. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm very much, um, you know, I was new to this continent and I was a, a new American and I didn't really have any any family back home or, or here, take away my sister. And Dave kind of gave me more than anything, like he he became my family, you know, and and he gave me me hope um, about that, you know, life can be really special and magic. And I was a huge fan of TV on the radio before I met Dave when I was back in Sweden. So for me, it was like super psychedelic to be able to, you know, to get to write songs with them and, and stuff. But after that, like me and Dave, just we, we kept we kept writing and we we did stuff that was more like work or whatever. We, we wrote songs for people, for artists. But we just we, he lived in Glendale and I lived in Los Feliz back then and in, in Los Angeles. And, and we just kept writing without any agenda, really. And it was never we never like sat down and said, like, we're going to start a band. We just kind of we did it the other way around, where we just made a ton of music, and then all of a sudden we realized that it was like. I remember him looking at me, and he was like, "This is an album, man. Like this." He, he talks like that a little bit. Sorry, Dave, but he was like, "I think we made an album," and <laughs> so and I was like, "Yeah, I think we did," and um, and it was cool because it, it was you know when you when you write for other people or if you produce a record for someone. Uh, then, then you're trying to help them see their vision through. But I think we both needed to do something that was um, that didn't have any frames. And if you if you produce a record for someone, then rightfully so, like they're going to be super picky on on all the decisions. And not only the artist, but the the management and the record label and and the the best friend and the boyfriend or whatever. Like everybody's going to have a point of view. And and you have to submit to that, like, because you're, you. It's not about you if you're producing a record for someone. It's about them, and you're trying to help them. And I love that part too. But I think both Dave and I felt like we needed to do something where there wasn't a client, or there wasn't someone who was like, "No, I don't like it like that." Like, I think that, or this is too dark, which is usually the the thing. So. We just ended up like making music and we realized that like, okay, Dave, Dave told me, he was like, I just want to, our friendship is so special and, and magic in a lot of ways. And, and one time he said, he was like, I just want to be able to go to Amoeba or a record store and, and there's a record that we made in there, just you and me, no one else. And like, there isn't record stores really anymore, but I understand what he meant, and I think it was really beautiful. I was like, yeah, because, you know, existence is flee- fleeting, you know, and mm. we're not, we're only here for a, for a millisecond. You know, our, our, our life span is just this, this little thing that happens, and then 
and in the mass of everything, it's it's nothing really. But the things you can like hold on to is that like we we create we made something that wasn't made that didn't exist before, and and it was our thing. And I think it's like it's always <clears throat> when we were supposed to we were gonna put this record out and like we we, we have like a really good uh, management and record label. Uh, much much better than we deserve, I think, in a lot of ways. And they had a really good plan and stuff. But when the pan pandemic hit, me and Dave was like, let's just get this out. Like, we, we want to put it out now. And we knew that it was like, if people, you know, it wasn't, I, <clears throat> I, I used to have a record label myself, and I used to work for Atlantic Records as an A&R guy. So I, I used to, like, be involved in, like, launching records or trying to, like, break a new artist and stuff like that but this is like the opposite to that and we just felt like can it clear like we just wanted to to uh, to put the record out because and with the hope that it might like help someone even if it's one person even if it's you fred you know mm -hmm. even if it's just or three people like that is a huge victory and and so we felt we we persuaded our poor record label to just throw the album out in the middle of the chaos because it felt like we made the record for that reason because we were in a desperate place emotionally and we were even before the pandemic hit like and and everything else that followed like we it was it was music to, to soothe our souls and we we i think it is like <clears throat> and if it if someone else feels like that it's a huge victory so when you say that that uh, that uh, we're your new favorite band like that's enough for me like i i, I love and, and i'm not, and i'm not blowing smoke up your ass either you know that's that's a very real uh statement and um you know the, the the story you're telling me. You know it sounds a a lot like a, a lot of whiskey makers who never get like the credit they deserve. Uh, there is there will be like, you know, in, in the whiskey game, there are people who make whiskey for other people, and then those other people get awards on someone else's whiskey, and the people who actually make it never get any attention, never get any kind of credit or love. Uh, it's the people who kind of created the marketing campaigns around the whiskey that, you know, get all the praise. And so, like, if you look at the hierarchy of, like, who's getting paid the most, <laughs> the distiller, you know, in a lot of organizations is quite a bit lower than, like, the chief, like, marketing officer or something. So hearing you talk about that, like, that, and that's why I love what I do is, like, my vision is to, like, try to bring music and whiskey closer together because I both view them as, as art um, in, in a lot of ways, but it's also like, you know, I can, I can, I can pick this up and I can sip on it and it'll take me down a place. Now, if I have too much, it's going to take me down the wrong place, but yeah. like, just like a quick little sip, you know, or, or two and like, I, I'm engaged. I have like a different kind of creative mindset. And when I listen to your music, it's the same way. And I'll tell you like what I, what I like doing, if I'm not you, so your music gets me honed in. So Melissa asked me uh, when I drink, uh, uh, what, what do I do, what do I drink when I'm listening to the Neverly Boys? And the, the truth is, 
is that the Neverly Boys, the music actually prepares me for my tasting. So it kind of like balances me. Uh, it gets me ready. But when I'm just listening to it for enjoyment, I like barbecuing. I like barbecuing to your music as well. So the things that I do that I love, that I put a lot of attention to, um, you know, your music kind of complements that. So uh, I, I take that or leave it, but that's that's how I listen to your music, Daniel. No, that's beautifully said. Like, you're really, um, you're moving me, Brad. Did I move you? To, did I move you to pour the uh, Johnny Walker yeah. into the Wonder Woman cup yet? Just, I just did. I didn't win. Okay. Made sure to like lick the last segments of the last one. <laughs> now it's your taste in that. Uh, Allison Woods chiming the- in saying that uh, she says thanks for turning me on to the Neverlay Boys. Great interview. So you got another got another listener there. Doug Pendleton, who at the top says he's been listening to you, says he's going to have to go listen to more now. Oh, thank you. So what's the deal with the, the, sorry for my ignorance, but what's the deal with the green label? They make it in batches or, because you can't, like it's rare to find it in stores. Yeah, so this is a, so this is basically, this is a blended uh, malt. So this is a blended malt scotch whiskey. So it's not blended scotch, it's a blended malt. Uh, And this is, uh, you know, quite a bit more limited than like the black label, which is pretty much everywhere. And so this is, uh, this used to be called batted. Uh, now it's a blended malt where basically it's a it's a single malt from various distilleries. Okay. Whereas like a, a blended scotch can have like grain whiskey in it. Yeah, so it's like a special edition. But I guess someone it's, said- it's like a yeah, it's like it's not a special special edition, but it's a special edition. My my engineer Richie. Um, he he just because he was like no 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 they they canceled that one like you can't oh yeah a lot yeah a lot of people thought they canceled but they canceled but is that so that's not the case it's just a thing that a recurring thing yeah this is this um, is it's very mm-hmm. smooth they they changed the they changed the uh, did I, I sent you the did I send you the green label or the gold label I sent you the green label didn't I yeah the green yeah so yeah this one's still this one's still happening. They they changed the one of the they changed one of the gold labels. Okay. Now here's a here's a note. I want to see if you get it. Like we haven't talked about breaking down the uh, flavor profiles or anything like that. Um. But it is uh, and Greg uh, Unro says uh, you know they stopped making bottling the green label for a while and then brought it back. Okay. You know, I, I swear that the green label just changed a little bit, but I don't I don't feel like it ever went out. I thought it was the gold label that went that uh that was discontinued and then came back. I may be mistaken on that one. But um you know, the green label is pretty prominent out there on shelves today. Um but you know, we haven't really been talking about the flavors. So when we take take a look at the flavors of whiskey, you get the sweetness on the tip of your tongue, the savory like breads uh, on the middle, and the spices like a cinnamon or like a black pepper on the back. So I'm curious if you got a if you got any tobacco 
in uh, in the green label because this is this is showing a lot of tobacco for me tonight. Yeah, like yeah, tobacco. I'm a huge tobacco fan. It's my other wife. There's definitely tobacco in there. Oh, tobacco is your other wife? Yeah. And <laughs> maybe my first wife, actually, because I don't even have a wife. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 love, I love the nicotine. But no, there's definitely, and to, tobacco is a beautiful flavor. Like, it's, um, I definitely feel the tobacco thing. And some, and I don't want to, I'm trying to sound like a connoisseur now, but uh, Maybe even some rosemary, right? Ooh, a little rosemary. Look at you. You're stepping yeah. on up. I love it. It's that earthy, kind of gamey feel, that the wild, you know, which is kind of cool because it's, it's such a – Johnny Walker is such a global big brand, but it, it tastes really special. Like it tastes like someone really cares about our tastes. Like absolute vodka, or Swedish, proud. Now let's talk about vodka for a minute. What what is, what is your opinion on vodka? <clears throat> I mean, my my base opinion is that it tastes like petrol, but it's more it's more complicated than that for me. Because so my I mentioned my granddad before, and he, it Edgar, he he worked like the rivers up north in Sweden, and they, his dad, I think, was doing the same thing, and, and they went on a strike. It was called a salmon strike, and it was because they, they fed the, 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 the people working, the, the mines and the rivers, only um, salmon and vodka. So basically, they went on strike because they didn't want to eat salmon three times a day, seven days a week. They won one day where they had a, a beef. And the Swedish government sent up the military and shot those guys. Because uh, it was sort of like back in the 20s, it was like the Soviet Union um, in, in northern Sweden. And they also had the system where they could choose when when on Saturdays, when they were supposed to get their weekly pay, they could they could choose if they want to get paid in money or if they want to get paid in vodka. And a lot of those guys chose vodka, and they didn't go home to their families because they, you know, stayed drinking vodka. And vodka has been like a very, to me, it's just like it's it's not a like what we're discussing now, like flavors and stuff. And I'm sure there's like vodka nerds out there that want to kill me right now. But like, I, to me, it feels like it's more like a a, a shortcut to getting intoxicated. Like it's and it's like and if you're an alcoholic, it's a it's a way to drink alcohol without you smelling that much. Uh, and I've seen that before, like in Sweden. And both my parents were. Um, alcoholics definitely at times and it just feels it feels like my relationship to vodka is it's it feels really depressing while like whiskey or red wine feels like a really beautiful you know culinary experience if you will so i think it's it's 
back in back in back in rural Sweden, it felt like a necessity to survive. Maybe mm-hmm. it was like medicine. Like you, they worked their bodies until they didn't work anymore, and and they self-medicated with with vodka, which is sort of like the Russian thing too. And the Russian for the Russians, they like the Russians are like that, but like times ten, where where it's like they just like do shots of vodka for for breakfast to kind of numb the pain, which I also which I also like can I, I feel I feel that, but it's very far away from if you if you're drinking a, a great and you're in southern France it's a it's celebrating the beautiful the beautiful thing in, of, of, of existing and if you're downing vodka in rural northern Sweden to forget that you haven't seen the sun for three months then it's a way of coping and surviving and maybe alcohol in a way feels both those you know, Spectrus, but it's very, but they're on different sides of it. And when I think about vodka, I think about, <clears throat> you know, trying to survive the darkness and stay alive until spring. And when I think about whiskey or red wine, I think about creating this magical moment where you you feel really in tune with with life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like I do, I do have this thing that vodka sucks, and you know, I have, I have some. Uh, I, I think I, I just proved your point. What's it's that? Just, I think I just proved your point. I mean, yeah, you, really- <laughs> you you did, but in a but in a but in a different way. Kind of like Andrew says, like your description. You know, it makes me hate vodka less. Um, and you know, the reason why is because it it. it it was a necessity, you know, for the people in the moment and that time. And um, really what it comes down to is I I have always viewed vodka as, as like, you know, there's several components to it that make it like one of the um, – one of the absolute worst, you know, spirits in the marketplace. One yeah. – in the United States, it basically knocked out all the good stuff, and it really, really hurt the spirits industry when it came into play. But more importantly, today, when you walk into a liquor store, a major liquor store in the United States of America, and you see these big rows of vodka, just know that the brands that have the brands typically pay for that spot right there. And they restrict the liquor stores from carrying something uh, rare unless yeah. they have special vodka displays. So the saying of like uh, vodka pays the bills, that's true. But the industry pounds vodka down people's throats and force, you know, tries to get people to drink vodka because it's very inexpensive to produce in comparison to bourbon or cognac or Armagnac or something like that that's of a higher quality and they get um, they basically have these large industrial ethanol plants that just churn it out constantly and then they you know so anytime you see like a $40 vodka 
uh, or something like that, or a celebrity connected to it. I mean, it may have cost $3 per bottle to create the actual liquid. Yeah. And so you're paying for marketing. Everything yeah. is marketing with vodka. And so uh, that's kind of one of the more modern reasons. I mean, but the story that you shared is kind of depressing. Yeah, and, and the side of it, like, you know, in, 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 in Scandinavia, in, in Northern Europe, like, we didn't have a choice. So we basically, it's so cold up there that we could grow um, potatoes or roots, you know, like beetroots. And that was the only way we could make alcohol. We couldn't grow grapes. We couldn't grow like most grains. We could grow potatoes. And when the, when the potato famine um, hit Europe, a quarter of Sweden moved to America. And 250,000 people moved, moved to, to Minnesota because uh, there was no to potatoes, because there was nothing to eat. And in Sweden, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't like we would probably much rather be drinking, you know, a Pinot Noir, but you can grow grapes there. You could grow potatoes. And there was a way to make potatoes into alcohol and apples. That, that's our two things, you know, like cider or beer or or vodka was the things that we could drink what about aquavit was there any aquavit in the in when you were sipping a little bit of that yeah yeah i mean that that's that's the other part of it the aquavits and uh that goes back to the viking times too like they they used to do the 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 schnapps which was you know basically aquavit but and and alcohol is like deeply rooted in, in, in the Swedish culture, but it, everything up there, cause you know, in, in, in Northern Sweden in December, the, the, the sun doesn't come up. It, you see a trace of it. You never see the sun. You see like the beams of the sun for like an hour. And, and, and like in Alaska, like in July, it doesn't come down. It just bounces off the horizon. So like people go crazy up there, you know, because there's like you can't really grow shit, and for 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 a month plus in the winter, you don't see the sun, and it's you know minus fifty, and you can die from like breathing the air because it's so cold up there. So I think the connoisseur vibe that you get in 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 the the places where the sun shine on this planet with it, where you can afford to be like, I, I, I care about how this tastes or like, I, that was like so far away from the Chernobyl of my youth. So your, your DNA is Vikings. Yeah. Half of it, half of it, half, half of it is, is uh, Hungarian French, which is a completely different side of, of, uh, of Europe, but all right, so, that's a whole nother conversation because I am yeah. an enormous uh, Viking person. Uh, one of the books I wrote was uh, Mead, which I basically uh, I've been studying Viking culture and what they've consumed, you know, for like you know a good chunk of my career and a lot of stuff that a lot of it's in this book, but I haven't read a lot of it's book. not. I haven't read it. I, I really want to read it. Yeah, it's, 
I mean, the 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 Viking uh, the Viking religion is it's it's an interesting one. It's it's also very much a, a shroom, you know. Like most of those nature religions, they were they were what we today would call like psilocybin like cults or shroom cults. Like <clears throat> before the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church came came to uh, Northern Europe, it was you know we, we used to eat shrooms in the in the in the forest and drink mead and get fucked up and get on boats and like hope that there was like lamb on the other side. <laughs> Because they were all flat earth earthers back then. Everybody was. They got in their boats, they ate some shrooms, and brought a big keg of, of mead, and they hoped for the best. Well, we've got we, we 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 don't have any mead here in this tasting, but we do have. We yeah, we well, don't have any blood rituals or sacrifices. But I'm like really drunk at this point. Like what's that? I'm 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 drunk at this point. If you want to oh. give me a Hard and tell me they're like okay you're, Listen, you're, 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 you, can't, you you can't I I do have a I, we should have we should have communicated beforehand about this I do have a bad habit of of getting yeah, people uh, a little bit in trouble yeah good I love it <laughs> yeah my, my my dog Teddy he's like I'm I'm talking so much he fell asleep he doesn't care anymore my so dog let's Teddy. uh oh you know my, yeah. what, my we just got a new puppy and. He looks a lot like that. Yeah, you see a pit? Oh, that's a pit. It, I think the, he is. The color, the color was. Uh, he, he, I couldn't see his head, but his color is very similar. I don't know what Ted is. He, he used to be a street dog. He's like old. I found him. I've had him six years, but he was. I think he was like seven, eight when I found him. So he, I think this might be his last summer. Hmm. I didn't know, or, or second to last. I have a lot of dogs. I have also have a boxer, and I have a Sharpay lab. Aw. So now we're going to go to the McKenzie. Okay, McKenzie. This is a this is a New York bourbon. So we're crossing the pond, going to the state of New York and Finger Lakes, and going to have a little something something. Yeah. Now, if you're watching at home. Make sure you're checking out the Neverly Boys. Put them in your Apple or Spotify playlist. Uh, listen to them. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. And then tell us what you are drinking tonight. And um, I'm actually let's let's have a game. Let's let's play a game. Never done this before. Daniel Daniel is a songwriter. He is an incredible uh, talent. Write what you are drinking. Write what you were drinking, and then I'm gonna sh I'm gonna tell Daniel, and I'm gonna see what's the first thing that pops in his head. Given what we have heard tonight, we might hear some crazy shit. So this will be fun. All right, Beth Higgins says uh, Jack Barrel Proof. So Daniel, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear Jack Barrel Proof? What? Sorry, what? Okay, so we're gonna play a game. The, Jack, okay. the the people the people are commenting. They're commenting Jack. what they're drinking tonight. I'm going to tell you what they're drinking, and you tell me the first thing that pops in your head. And Beth Higgins is having Jack Daniels barrel proof. 
I mean, Jack Daniels barrel proof. Barrel proof. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm um, sorry, I'm confused now. I, I was I was tasting the 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 thing. Is so is this uh, uh I'll get back to to the barrel. All right, we're, we're, we'll get back to story time. I'm trying to tap in. It's what I'm, I'm trying to tap in your songwriting roots. No, You're like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm. So I'm this not, is, I'm, this I'm is McKenzie. It's a New York bourbon. Yeah, because I have a question. Like, so is that a thing? Is the like, do they make bourbon in New York? Oh yeah, you can make bourbon anywhere in the United States. Yeah, uh, but it, is, is there like a New York scene for for bourbon? Ah, uh, you know what? It, it's growing. Uh, Brooklyn has a really nice distillery called Kings County. Um, Hudson, in, in uh, it has one called Tuttletown that's been around for a while. Finger Lakes is um, is really really good, and McKinsey's a, is the brand coming from there. You're sounding like a real nerd now, <laughs> in a good way. Oh, I'm totally a huge dork. Dork. Yeah, I mean it's cool like that. That thing, the microbreweries and like all of that stuff, it, it feels like the last since I moved to America ten years ago, and it feels like it was a, a a different world back then. And a lot of people would be like, "Yeah, it was so like innocent and nice back then," but I kind of love how it is now, you know, like because this kind of nerdery did not exist on on a bigger commercial level back then. Mm-hmm. It feels like mm-hmm. so much has happened. Like people are. The whole like farm, farm to table restaurants and like that thing with where where small brands are like being celebrated for like putting in their effort, and even it's true what you say about like the the shelf life and and <clears throat> that whole. I mean the the the, the grocery stores. If, if you make food products or or any product that you consume like alcohol. It's it's a nightmare. Like no one wants to get into that industry because it's being run. It's an olig- oligopoly, like the music industry. Like it's being run by four or five players, and they decide kind of what what's what. But there's also this other subculture that, that you're in spearheading, going on with 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 nerds like making their own shit, and it's like it's like. Uh, we got sent all these like barbecue sauces that were just amazing from this guy called Barbecue Motherfucker, I think. <laughs> and, and he, he, I think he's just a, like a rogue barbecue sauce maker who don't care. But his sauces are like amazing. And I was so bummed because I was in Texas and he sent sent these sauces and we were doing like ribs and, and chickens and stuff with, with his barbecue sauces. And then I, I I left them in Texas, and I went to Whole Foods, and I got some other. I was like, I'll, I'll just get some other barbecue sauces. And I realized that there was something like super magic about his products. And that thing is so interesting now that there is there is a marketplace online or or in in like group forums where where people share experiences. Like people are really into to taste because <clears throat> I'm really into cooking, you know, like, and, and most people are like most people who enjoy life are really into the palate and, and 
And what I meant with like when I said that I didn't care as much about the taste, I I, I wasn't completely honest because I, I do like I really I, I care about like I, I care a lot about what I consume in in general, and of course I care about the taste. But I think when it comes to alcohol, it's something it's something extra too because it's more about the the buzz and the other dimension. What do you even, cook with? What when you what do you sorry. grill with? What do you mean? What are I, like? Do you, do you have a grill, or do you are you cooking in the kitchen? Do you have a grill outside? What do you what do you, how do you cook? Yeah, I mean, every, every, I, I cook every day. I cook like I, I I rarely and now now like I love going to a nice restaurant, but now you kind of can't. And I I I cook all my meals, and I love barbecuing stuff. I love smoking stuff. But so also, what do you, do you do? You have a smoker? Yeah, it's a small sm one. A little small it's, one. It's one of those side smokers, but nice. But I, I, uh, I mean, I, I made yesterday. I made ribs. I made um, super nice, like dried ribeyes. I made ceviche. Um, yeah, I just cook a lot. I, I cook a lot. All right, so are you ready for this songwriting exercise? No. I Because mean, I mean, this is unfair because I thought that, like, okay, this is, like, let's get day drunk. And, <laughs> and now it's all of a sudden it's that, like this, like, songwriting challenge. Oh, no. I, like, <laughs> I'm putting I'm, you on the spot. Whatever these people are going to come up with, I'm going to say, like, poop, dog poop, <laughs> picking up dog poop. Like, ask and that's not how I like. I don't. It, for me, it's not an exercise writing songs. Like I write songs out of necessity because a I have to express something or b I have to pay the bills. So like to, no, like I I don't know. Like I, what am I, I, but I'm to, liking goat poop. I am hey, liking goat poop. I'm supposed to say I'm supposed to like turn that into poetry or something. Like I don't, I don't fucking know. Like that that's not how it works. And I'd like the idea on paper, and I get where you're coming from, but I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I, have to, I, have to, I have to like call someone else on Skype, like some real songwriter, and they can do like they can tell me. All right, well, I'm gonna do two of them. You critique yeah. my you critique my songwriting skills. Yeah, yeah. Will that work? Say, yeah, whatever. Yeah, do it. All right. So Joe Road Truck tonight is drinking Widow Jane. I'm gonna borrow your song, your song title, Goat Poop. And, and and I'm going to add local water. So widow Jane, go poop with local water. Government cheese. Ooh. <laughs> All right. This is really fun. All right. So okay, here we go. Uh, Kurt's having Kentucky Tavern bottle and bond. Knowing Kurt, this is probably from like the 1950s, because he's a he's a he's a dusty vintage bourbon collector. So, um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a collector. But so let's let's okay. So I'm taking myself back to the 50s. Um, Seatbelts weren't ready. Kentucky Tavern, bottle and bond. Everybody hated everybody. Go poop. Doop, 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 
You should have my job. What's that? I, I maybe you should have my job, and maybe I should have your job. Listen, I, I, you don't. I, you don't I, want I, me writing songs. I mean, I, I think you are a songwriter. You you just became one. I think I love the the like I love the fifties in America. The naive, oh, not naive, like blue-eyed kind of Del Shannon. Like when I was growing up, that was so. It's interesting, like America for for someone who didn't grow up here, but I'm I'm so I feel like such an American, in a lot of ways. Like it's interesting because like you guys have no idea what an impact you had on the world. Like. And a lot of my American friends are like, oh, people hate us. Like they, they hate Americans like everywhere. Like people in Europe hate Americans and blah, 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 hate Americans. And I'm like, no, like they really don't. Like if, if it wasn't for America, I would have grown up in either the Soviet Union, most likely, or Nazi Germany. Like if it wasn't for America involving itself in global conflict, then I would have grown up in one of those systems. And, but I grew up in this huge, like super liberal, like social Democrat, but still capitalistic, like Sweden. And I had a, like, it was beautiful growing up there. And that's because of America. And I, I grew up watching the Cosby show and listening to, you know, Thriller and, wanted to be Neil Young, even though he's, he's Canadian. And I think it's like, it's interesting that part of it, that it's like, I think that Americans has a really distorted view on how, how the world views America. Cause yeah. America is like, we, the, the rest of the world adores America. And that like, and when it shows frustration about America not being what they hoped it would be, that is love too. That is like saying that like, and it's funny cause like, like I have close friends and they're like, I don't want to go to Europe. Cause like, it feels like people don't like us over there. I'm like, no, you, you're so, like, you're so wrong. They adore you. And like, because they adore you and you, and America fucking saved us not once, but twice on a global level. Like, and, and not only that, like people aren't ignorant. Like if, if America might be, there might be a lot of like things wrong with America and it like, and it's the, the, the new world. It's the, 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 the cradle of, you know, that fight between good and evil, whatever that is. But it's like, We from the from from the other places like we look at it and with disappointment because we 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 love it you know and it's like it saved our asses like twice and if if America wasn't the superpower then the other two alternatives is I, I put out a song that was like criticizing Trump and I kind of like I kind of regretted it. Because I was like, I'm, it's not my place to say anything, you know. But I thought I was like, I felt like an American, so I thought I had something to say. And I thought it was, I put it out in May, 
you know, the year he was elected, which was like a long time before he got actually became president. And and because I was like, oh, shit, he's going to win. Like the dude is going to win and this is going to like change everything. So I put out some song about him. But, you know, if I put out if if I was living in Russia and I put out that song about Putin, here people were like, oh, you're criticizing Trump. That's not okay. Like if I was Russian or if I was a Swedish dude living in Russia and I put out the song about about Putin, like my friend Nadja and Pussy Riot did, then you go to gulag fucking prison in Siberia. And if I was in China and I put out a song about that, about the government, then no one would ever hear it. I would disappear and my whole family would disappear. And that's the two alternatives. So like, and, and Europe knows that and most, most like the rest of the world knows that. And I think it's, Americans are really hard on themselves and they're really like, too, like right now, like way too hard on, on themselves. Because this, this place is beautiful and it's the melting pot of new ideas and, and it's, it's really like a, a unprecedented society going on here where everybody has a voice and everybody like respects whatever people are saying <clears throat> to the point where no one can say anything right now because like every someone's going to get upset but that's fine that's like that's a transition we're going through but this place is super beautiful to me and it's really hurting right now and i think it's it's also been way too tough on itself and for, for all the wrong reasons, because like America should be really proud, like in in not being, you know, be in being in dispute with each other, but being in, in dispute on a civil level where it's like, no, we're not going to send you to a concentration camp because you said something I didn't like. I'm going to argue with you and I'm going to say that you're an idiot and I'm even going to cancel you, you know, like I'm even you are not allowed to say anything, but it's, it's, it doesn't get physical. And the scary thing to me is like, when it starts getting physical over here and people are, you know, expressing their, their, their thoughts in violence, I think that's wrong. I think that like, what makes this place different is that people can discuss and come to, come to some sort of solution. It's basically humanity. This is the epiphany of humanity trying to work things out. And so it's it's, Google, it's interesting. Like you, you are you, you are from Sweden. You are half Viking. You, you had mentioned, and if you think about like what the what the Vikings did, you know, to build your Europe, you know, I mean that happened, you know, a thousand years ago, but. You know, that took a long time to get worked out of Europe. The Vikings left a trail of blood and bones and bodies and pain and broken up um, infrastructure across Europe. And it took a long time for Europe to readjust and get over that. Now, they didn't have social media back then. They didn't have computers. And they barely had, like, things they could write on. But everything that you saw about the Viking culture – you know, in the 1800s and the 1700s and the 1600s, they left an imprint of fear 
and they were not as celebrated as as we celebrate them today. Today we celebrate pirates, but you want to talk about pirates in the 1860s, and they were you know they people they were horrible, and, and the, the, those histories came out and those histories were talked about. America has had a major problem of not facing its history and moving on to the next thing. Now, the, the best example I can give you, and it, I, had, I have a lot of personal connections to this moment because I got sent to Iraq. I lost friends in Iraq. I had, uh, I had you know, people I love, their children were killed in Iraq or Afghanistan. 9-11 happens. 9-11 happens. We have Islamic terrorists uh, fly airplanes, jets into the Twin Towers. And within a week, within a week of that happening, instead of, you know, we're all trying to figure it out and everything, what's happening. Within a week, we have car dealerships offering 0% financing to, quote, keep the economy going. So our country while we are beautiful, we have free speech, we have all of these things, and we encourage, and we are a melting pot, and we do all of these things that are wonderful for the rest of the world. We have and always will be under the current system that we are about the economy. And that is important. Don't get me wrong. But I do feel like we have got to face our history, and we have to stop moving on to fix the economy. Sometimes we have to look at the bad shit that has happened and deal with it. And we have never actually really dealt with a lot of the bad things in our history. And we've also not given a lot of uh, you know, credit to people in history who have necessarily been, been wronged. And I, I, I think that right now we're in a period where we have a, a, a movement. We have a lot of young people who are just saying enough is enough and let's talk right. about this right. and i do think i don't think it's an old guard or anything like that i just think we just need to have conversations and the one thing that i always tell people is that this you know having a drink with someone can be a conduit to you know solving to solving an issue now granted you can't drink the whole bottle but i mean there was a time in our country's history where the you know congressman would sit in the lobby and drink bourbon together, and, and come up with ideas. And uh, that, I mean, that was how our country was built in a lot of ways. And now we want to like, you know, shun it and everything. And you know, here I am trying to like, you know, teach you about whiskey and all that. And I kind of go off on a tangent, but uh, the fact is, everything you say is true. But we have, as a country, have um, man, we 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 focus on a lot of the wrong things at the wrong times and we f we focus on a lot of the right things at the wrong times and what we need now what we need now more than any time in my life is we need people to listen not be defensive but listen and this is everybody everybody needs to listen and i feel like i feel like a, a lot of people are just listening to say, yeah, but, you know, there shouldn't be a yeah, but it should just yeah. be listening. 
And um, yeah, I mean, you're so right. And you actually like to me, you kind of proven my point. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a conversation going here, but at least there's a conversation going. And I think like you and and like you're so right. It, I was talking to this dude who grew up in Oklahoma, and he was like, I, I we were talking about Watchmen, the HBO series. Or I mean, obviously it's a, a legendary comic book, but yeah. By the way, he, I grew up in Oklahoma too. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't like the 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 black Manhattan, like the 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 the, the, the race riots or whatever you call it, like 1921. Like I, I I never heard about that. Like, and that's a real thing. And I was like, I I heard about like I learned about that in in school in Sweden, and he did it. I don't know if you did. Did did you hear? Yeah, that was did, in our that was in our seventh grade history. It was a, it was an entire chapter uh, in our seventh grade chapter. Chapter. Yeah, we we learned about that. Actually, the town I grew up in, um, you know, we would go to school and like there would be teepees everywhere, like yeah. on our way to school. Uh, I grew up in a very Native American area. Uh, I myself am in part Native American, and it, it's it's um you you have uh. But, but I'm talking about the Tulsa race riot. Yeah, yeah, uh, Our, the Tulsa race riot. So I was, I guess, I was getting at that. Is like in, in in seventh grade Oklahoma history, we learned about mostly Native American, you know, tribal things, uh, histories, and what happened, and why where why Kickapoo's were set up on one side, and why Cherokees were on another side. But we learned about the race riots. In fact, Oklahoma history was mostly just, you know, people killing one another and like killing people for land it was it was a pretty um you, looking back i pretty pretty shocked that we had that issue this, this dude i talked to he was like you know or like late 20s and he said like when he went to school and he looked like a dude who skipped school a lot so maybe he wasn't like the most <laughs> accurate source but like he said that there wasn't any mention of that like it wasn't any mention of, of tulsa or or those things yeah, and it, it's not surprising, you know, to me. I mean, when I was in, uh, when I was in at that at that age and in school, uh, I mean, it was important to our teacher. Our teacher, his name was uh, Coach Shaw, who taught this, and he was um, he was someone who, you know, would just kind of like, here's the history. We basically uh, came in and took people's land. Um, you know, these race riots happened on Black Wall Street. We basically decimated entire families, and uh, he was really good about uh, teaching that. And that was actually – he's always been like an influence of, on me in terms of my writing. But, um, but I was very lucky to have Coach, uh, Coach Shaw as my seventh-grade uh, history teacher because we did, not, we did not gloss over that whatsoever. And I remember him sending kids out in the hall when they were talking. It was very important to him. You know that we heard that, and I grew up in a little bitty town called Jones, Oklahoma. I don't know if other people had that same experience growing up in Oklahoma, but we definitely, definitely had that. Uh, it, isn't that like a thing that we don't talk about enough? Like every every human that grew up in 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 a civilized part of the world has this connection to this one, like this teacher or a couple of teachers in school that really made a big difference and it could have been like bad or good. Like it's like, 
I have in my life, I'm like, I had this horrible French teacher that still scares me, but I also had these like this amazing history teacher and she, you know, encouraged me to, to care about the magic of history and existence. And it's like, and they, we don't celebrate like those people enough, like mm -hmm. the teachers, especially the teachers that go to, they go to work with young kids and they, they get minimum wage almost, you know, wherever you go, like even in, even in Sweden or England or, or Germany or America, it's, they, they hardly get paid. And yeah, and, and I think also too, like there's a there's a reason why a lot of teachers are afraid to bring it up. It's because because people don't like focusing on the emotional impact of what a of, of a historic moment may have, like the decimation of Black Wall Street set back it set back Tulsa a good sixty years, and that that area was so important and it also i mean it just was so important and it it allowed it allowed like um it allowed hate to win again yeah. and it's just the fear of having that conversation with your child or the fear of like being a teacher and having to to answer a question to a parent like i didn't know you were going to talk about that my child came home upset because he thought we we were a part of that or whatever. Yeah. That is why we don't see this because we are not we as a society we've gotten away from having um, the backbone to have like a real conversation about some of these things. And now that we are about to cross that other line, you know, now that we are about to cross the line of saying like it's all on the table, let's all talk about it, let's not be afraid, let's listen, you know you see a lot of people who are afraid of having that conversation. And that's where a lot, that's why we see, we don't see a lot of coach shawls in the world because people are led by, led by fear when it comes to these difficult, difficult conversations. Cause it's a hell of a lot easier to go sit on a fucking couch and eat potato chips and watch goddamn family guy, which is a great show by the way, but watch family guy over and over again. It's easier to do that. Then have the hard conversation. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, it is scary, but it's like that's that's the thing, though. Like, that's I think it's a beautiful thing that that we're in we're in a place where people actually want to have the, these tough discussions. And I just think that, like, I I think one good thing about this this you know super confusing and scary period we've been in 2020 i think it i think it will lead to people being more grateful and soft towards each other you know like, well I we've think we've definitely we've we've definitely i think so we've gotten uh, gotten the attention of the audience here a lot of people uh definitely agree uh the next pour is weller and um Beth wants to know if you're in front of the uh, entrance of Wonka's factory because you look huge. I look huge? She's saying you look really big on camera. Are you like, she's wanting to know if you're like seven feet tall. Yeah, I'm a <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to do anything about your physical existence. You just. How, how big are you though? Like, 
what, what give us your give us your frame some 8.8 and four 480 pounds i think i'm with the metric system so i don't know yeah <laughs> you're not 480 pounds yeah. If you're 480 pounds, you're in a wheelbarrow. I mean, that's big. Eight foot eight before 480. That's what he told me at the DMV. <laughs> when they gave me my visa at the, the, the embassy, the U.S. embassy, that's what they said. It's, hard, right. to, it's hard to fit in these small American rooms. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're tiny. I'm oh. trying. I'm also trying to drink this weather. So what... Weller Antique 107. Oh, I sent you the Weller. I thought I sent you the Weller single barrel. All right, well, no. we're drinking different Wellers then. I don't it's mind. Just, it's just going to happen. We, we haven't been really talking about the whiskey as much as, like, you know, life. So, yeah. But so what is I'm the just, Weller? Hey, Daniel, I'm just trying to let love in. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to let love in, you know? So, and I think, like, that's that's all I, I, I want to think about. It's, I, I just wish that people were a bit softer towards each other. And it's like, we're so caught up in our insecurities and our fears that we, we lash out on people. And I do that too. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody, but I think we just need to, to, to let love in. Like, I think that we need to be just a bit softer and if we don't if we don't agree with whatever someone else is saying then maybe like it's just because they have different experiences and i think that i hope that this is like a reset we're in now where it, it's super sad that people are dying and and um it's super sad that people die in general yeah. but we way too harsh and way too mean to each other and like and, and way too spoiled. Like, and this goes for me too. Like, we took way too much for granted. Like, we've been in this phase in history where everything when, in the Western world, everything we kind of like floating along. Take away what you said about, about the Middle East and, and the, the wars. And, but like, apart from that, it's been people been spoiled to the point where they forgot to be nice to each other. Like, and, and just, like, there's too much anger. And I, I, I've been, I've been, I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> like, I've been all around this place, this little globe, and people are the same. Like, people are, people are, people are good. People want the same things. They, they want to feel safe, and, and they want to have a good time, and they want to get, like, fucked up with their friends every now and then. And they want to like, you know, feel like they're important or feel like they have something to contribute with. And, and then you can label them like as much as you want. Like you can say that that guy is, is that, or he's that, or he's that, like but he's a racist or he's a blah, blah, or he's a blah, blah, or she's a blah, blah. But we're not, we're just trying to like everybody <clears throat> it's the Buddhist saying, like everybody is always trying their best. We're, we're, it's like it's boredom or suffering. And we're all trying to just be okay with each other. And once you realize that, and 
we're what we're we're like a we're this one organism. We're just competing to try to find the perfect way forward. And I, I really, really do hope that that that's going to be the next phase. You know that this this is we're on the brink of this new enlightenment that will lead to acceptance and and like people you know really understanding that there's this layers if i say something to 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 you and to the people listening to this that that sounds ridiculous then yeah it probably is ridiculous but it but it makes sense coming where i'm coming from and if if you like care to spend another 30 minutes listening to me you might feel like it makes sense and <clears throat> i was so prejudiced like <clears throat> the last year i've been mainly in texas like the the, the the out of the last 12 months i've been nine months in texas but more like mexico because because i've been in tornillo which is on the border the Mex literally on the mexican border and um in south southwestern texas which for a lot of Texans, like, ain't considered being Texas. And I had so many prejudices being this, you know, white European socialist dude, thinking, you know, I was like, oh, Texas. Yeah, I know what Texas is. And I had no fucking idea what Texas was. And it, it just, it's just, it's mind, mind opening to me to be like, okay, I don't, it's great to be wrong, you know. It's great to have like this old, like to to have been around for this long in life, and and I love when I'm wrong. Like I, I celebrate the moments when I'm like, oh fuck, I'm so wrong. I was like Texas, yeah, those guys, like those right wing nuts that like running around shooting at each other, like, and you know, I feel like I'm, I'm Texan now, like in, in, in a lot of ways, I don't have the accent to prove it, but I do like, I love that place. It's, it's a huge part of me now. And I was so wrong about it. Like all, all the stuff I thought and talking to my like politically correct socialist European friends, I was, I was, we were always in agreement with each other talking about a place that we never visited. You know, we we went to Austin for South by Southwest for three days, and then we had reformed an opinion about the rest of the place. And it's ignorant and it's stupid. And it's like if the more you the more you travel and the more you talk to people, you realize that like people are people and, and they're good. They they're like ninety-eight percent of all people everywhere are are great. And they want the same thing, and they care about the same things, and they don't want to hurt their fellow man. Like they want to be nice to each other. They want to. They want to feel like they're important and feel like they care for each other. And then there's like a few psychopaths and and a more some more sociopaths, aka the music industry. But <laughs> but like but they but they but in general we're good and we're nice and we like we care about each other. And well, and the rest you know, is just it's funny. It's funny you bring up Texas because the the whiskey we just drank is one of the few places where you can get Weller. This is one of the hardest to get whiskeys in the world right now, and 
we've been going at this for an hour and 40 going on an hour and 42 minutes man yeah i think we solved some problems tonight what do you think maybe yeah yeah i think we solved some problems tonight man and uh you know we'll uh well, this definitely won't be the last time i do know that we we are we're I we're love bonded Tor now i'm sorry i'm i'm drunk and round thing but yeah I <laughs> no i mean that that's i guess that's what i do you just cannot blame me for you know for what happens next like once this yep. once we're done here i'm not i'm not i'm not the one who gets in trouble i, I can't be responsible for what you know. And I don't care. So, like, <laughs> we should do this every Friday. You know, it could happen. It could yeah, be dangerous. It's a, it's a great, it's a great way of getting like really fucked up on a Friday. <laughs> my, my assistant, like my, my engineer Richie that I work with, I told him I was going to do this podcast, and I was like, you just have to bear with me because I'm going to get really drunk in the middle of the day, and then I can't. I can't stop drinking because, like, then you get hungover and it just get a headache and stuff. So I'm gonna like, once we like hang up, I'm gonna keep drinking, and I'm gonna be super annoying to him. Well, uh, send him my apologies uh, for for that. Uh, but go ahead and hang out in the green room uh, while I kind of close out with uh, with folks here. Um, but uh, man, thanks thanks so much for joining. Where, where can yeah. people tell everybody where they can follow you real quick? Where, where can they follow you? I mean, yeah, the, the, the Neverly Boys or Daniel Ladinsky, that's me. But I love you, Fred. I think you're like, thank you. For, I, I kind of wanted to talk more about the Afghanistan thing. All but right. maybe last, next time. Yeah, next time. And then, you know, I'll text you while I'm grilling. Like what I'm listening to, and you can see you can see my meat, and you show me your meat. Well, that sounded bad, but uh, that sounded wrong. Yeah, I mean, like the big old. Very like homoerotic. It's like homo Finland. But so did you serve in? Sorry for prolonging this, but did you serve in Afghanistan? Uh, yeah. No, I was I was in Iraq. I was in the army. Shit. Yeah. Shit. I'm sorry, dude. I'm you know. I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm proud of my service. No, no, no. Definitely. Um, yeah, great. But like, it's it's like I, I'm Swedish. We haven't we haven't been in a war for like 500 years. So. I mean, I mean, you guys are the smart ones, you know. No, we keep no. we keep getting in wars. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I I appreciate even though I'm not fully American yet. I appreciate your service, dude. In time, and if when it when it comes time to. Uh, write a letter to become an American, um, let me know because uh, I've actually I've actually helped a lot of people become Americans. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been here a decade. I've, I haven't, I, they actually asked me last time, like, you should apply for citizenship. And I, I think I have to earn it, but I think I'm almost there. Well, I just, I'm, uh, I'm in your, I'm in your I, camp now, so whatever I can do to help you, man. Yeah. But uh, thanks again. Hang out in the green room. I'll be I'll be right back with you. Uh, yeah. But uh, just kind of want to close out with folks here and I'll let them it. know what's coming next. Thank you, Fred. Right. Peace. Peace. Thank you. Yeah. And so I'm just going to close out real quick because I know if you're still here, you're probably you know 
you know, 200 miles into your run. <laughs> that was a long episode. I know, I know. Uh, I promise that they'll get shorter as they um, go on. So got some big news, some great guests coming up. I got Mike Golick and Mike Golick Jr. from ESPN. I've got Killer Mike, the famous rapper, coming up. And many more great, great um, musicians and sports athletes and actors so i can't wait this the the close of 2020 is going to be great for this podcast and i'm so thankful that you continue to support it i appreciate you clicking the subscribe button and giving us a review be safe out there everybody don't harm one another be kind and remember vodka sucks cheers You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com by Michter's American Whiskies. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com.